Over the last few months, I've made no secret of uh, one of my regrets as we, not just as we come upon this new year, but as we, uh, you know, in March, it'll be 20 years as a, as a public, as a church, public worship as a church. And I look back and I've said I regret that, that I stand here today. And I, and I would say, some of you may disagree with me, that uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say fellowship's a praying church. And as every organization's a reflection of the leadership it's given, uh, I, I bear large responsibility for that. I'm not shaming myself or throwing myself under the bus just to say that that's a fact. And as much as that is a fact and a reality, I, I want to say to you today publicly, and I've said it before, but I want to change that. I do for me personally. I, I, I want to be able to look back if I'm here 20 years from now, you know, or 10 years from now, I want to be able to look back and go, I, I, I prayed more. Uh, I prayed more this year than I did the year before, all the way till the Lord takes me home. And to the degree that you would be interested, and I hope at some level you would, to join me on that journey individually as a corporate body, I'm gonna invite you to, to, uh, to go with me. That we might, honestly, you all, uh, be marked uh, as a people who pray. That might, that might be one of the first things I would hope would come to people's mind as they think of us as a community of faith. Now, one message is not gonna change that, of course, but uh, it's certainly a start. And so we're gonna go to a passage today that's actually one of the more difficult passages in this particular book. I'm not gonna unwind the difficulties as much as I'm gonna say, let's take what we know this passage is saying and let's deal with it and not avoid it. And I think in this way, we are gonna come away with a, uh, if you might wanna say, a foundation for a life of prayer. You know, what does it look like? How, how, do I, how do I move toward that? And I think this passage will move us in that direction. So if you have your Bibles, open them to the book of James. The book of James, James chapter five, verses 13 through 18. James five, 13 through 18, by way of, you know, context, because we're just looking at a little section. I want you to know the book of James itself is about a faith that is real. I mean, if I, if I want to summarize the book of James, it's going, look, you got faith, show me it's real. You got biblical faith, demonstrate it. Uh, faith without works, without evidence, that's not faith. And so very, very practical. And I think that says something about the fact that the way James is gonna end this letter is by saying, pray. <laughs> so, so we could go, you got faith? Well, let me show it to me in how you pray. I think this is the exhortation and our encouragement. Uh, James is gonna give us what I'm calling four marks of a person and therefore a people who pray. Uh, who pray more. Uh, again, this is, uh, you know, you might say, some of it's so obvious. Like what I'm gonna say here is gonna, some of you would go, well, I already knew that. I mean, you're not giving me any of the secrets to the prayer life. Well, there are no secrets. I'm, I, I, I hate to disappoint you. There's just what James is getting ready to say. You might say, well, there's gotta be more. And what I'd say to you is, well, there's always more to prayer. Certainly there's more than these four statements I'm gonna give you, but there's never less. I mean, you can build on it, but there's never less than what he says here. I'm gonna take it just a few verses at a time. I'm gonna give you four statements that I hope will stick with us, the Spirit might use to prompt us in this arena. So, number one, 
is verse 13. Let me read it, then I'll give you the statement I think it's describing. Look at verse 13, James chapter 5. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to, he is to sing praises. We're going to stop right there. Uh, what I'm going to say here is the principle is pray like you breathe. Okay, if you want to write anything down, you'd write that down. Pray like you breathe. Let me unpack and explain that. You know, when that one verse, James gives us two extremes, if you will. Notice how, just kind of look at the, the sentence. It says, is any of you suffering over here? And then he goes to the far end, doesn't he? He goes all the way from that to this. Is any of you cheerful? Now, now the word, is any of you suffering? It would be, or any of you uh, uh, wearied with difficulty and discouragement. <sighs> okay. Are any of you cheerful? The word here is not just like a cheery disposition, but it, are any of you at a place where you've got a settled joy? Not based on circumstances, but from within. Are you, are you here or there? And do you see what he's got put in front of us are two extremes, if you will, of a spectrum, right? I mean, are you on this side or on this side? Well, if you're here, notice the word, he must pray, he must pray. And if you're here, he says, he, he, let him sing praises. Now, we just sang praises. And so I, I don't think it's inaccurate to say that to sing a praise is, and you know what another word for that is? You know, you know what I'm about to say? Another word for that is, Pray. I mean, a, a, a praise sung is simply a prayer to music. And so whether here or here, pray. And therefore, everything in between. It doesn't matter if you're out the far end here or far end there. Then we are to pray. Paul summarized what he says here. You remember Paul's three words. He says, pray, in First Thessalonians, pray without what? So there should never be a time we're not praying. I don't know, is there ever a time you're not breathing? Apparently I do because I just had a sleep study and it's about so many times an hour, right? You got, some of us have those. But no, we're to, we're, we're to, we're to pray like we breathe. I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Our, our praying is to be like breathing, never ending, constant, essential for life. You know, you never, most of the time we don't think about our breathing, do we? I want you to think about your breathing right now. kind of hard for some of you to even think about your breathing right now because it's just so under the waterline, isn't it? There are other times when you can't think about anything except breathing. Okay, some of us at least, you know, the elevator's not working and so you got to take the stairs to the seventh floor. What happens when, you, when I get the seventh <sighs> You work out, right? So there are times when it's, we know we're always breathing. There are times we're super aware of it and there are times we're not so aware of it and it's to be the same with our praying. You know, I want you to think about this. Um, could it be that, that God's so, you know, it's like when we go through exercises, we have a strenuous time, you know, then we're breathing, and I notice our breathing, breathing's hard. Could it be that God so orchestrates life for you and me sometimes so that we're out of breath? and we're breathing hard. 
that God would actually orchestrate events in your life and mine that are difficult. We have to run up the stairs, didn't want to. <laughs> and we're breathing because he wants to say, you understand, you can't live without breathing, even though you're not thinking about it. In the same way, you can't live without praying. If you had a friend or a daughter or a child or you know, a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it may be, and you knew that they couldn't live without drinking water. This is a silly illustration, but think about it for a moment. They can't live without drinking water, but they're so busy doing everything that they're not drinking water. Would you interrupt their life in such a way that they had to drink? If you love them, I think you would. And I just wonder if God himself does not interrupt your life and mine at times and just go, mm, breathe. And it's, you, honestly, here's what I don't like. It's usually things we don't like, which actually fits the context of James. Do you know how James began his letter? Don't turn there, I'll read it. James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's the beginning of the letter. That explains the whole letter. So, so often I do this, you and I may do this. You know, I wanna be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. And James says, okay. <laughs> then you will persevere under trial in difficulty. Pray like you breathe. It's a constant conversation with the God of the universe. Then this second part, look at verses 13 to 15. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must, verse 14 to 15, is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Now we're getting into the part of the text that's so difficult, quite frankly. The word sick here in verse 14 is asthenio. It means, it means any of you without strength, New Testament uses it for because you're physically ill, you're without strength, or it could be because uh, moral struggle, spiritual struggle, you're without strength. You know, the Bible is absolutely clear, follow me on this, that sin can, can, can result in physical illness. Don't miss this. There's a sin that leads to death. There's, there's sin that can, can create physical illness, but that's not always the case, okay, in, in, in the truest sense at all. But it could be. Um, when you get to the, verse 15, the word sick there, it's a different Greek word. It's kamno, uh, and it's, it's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's Hebrews 12, 3, and it's weariness of soul. And so when we, when we look at this, what I want you to know is scholars, Bible interpreters, pastors, theologians, whatever you want to say, there is not agreement on is he talking about uh, physical sickness? You know, you've got cancer. I mean, you didn't, what did you do to do that? You didn't do anything. You, you have an illness. You have a sickness. You have diabetes. You're sick physically. Or is this passage really about 
you've sinned, you're out of fellowship with God and, and you're weary in that way. There, there's, honestly, there's arguments on both sides of this. And so what I wanna say to you as we move through this is quite frankly, I don't, I don't, I don't know that we need to take sides. I don't know that we can't come to this and say, you know what's, you know what's clear in this? You know, it's absolutely, we, we, we can't argue with this is whether you are broken and ill because of, of sin in your life or whatever, or you got a bad report from the doctor, whichever it is, okay, ask the elders to pray for you. <laughs> that's, I think we can all agree that's what it says. And don't miss this. It's the sick person who calls for the elders. It's you shooting an email, a text, a call, some, some way going, I'm sick, I need the elders to pray for me. And in this way, can I say, when I, when I say this and I say, I don't believe we're a praying church, I take responsibility as one of the leaders here more than you, than you would ever need to. But I do wanna invite you to think about this thoughts. Can it be that we're not a praying church at some level? Because you don't ask for it because you don't say, I have a need, I, I want you to pray for me. You ever thought about that? See, I think at some level, uh, Satan, the enemy of our souls, has, has, has so wound our psyche that, that we kind of tend to view, whether, you know, whether we're in sin or struggling or whether it's a physical illness and you know, we just need help or something, we tend to view that as, weakness and we tend to view it as immaturity and so we don't want anyone to know. Now, this is odd to me. Lisa and I were talking about this yesterday because we were talking about some social media stuff and Facebook stuff, but many of us are so quick to show the picture of the meal that we ate last week at a new restaurant in town. So quick to get the selfie down in our travel. We're abroad, we're somewhere else. Look where I am, look where I am. We're so quick to share all that, but God forbid that I've struggled, I'm struggling with this sin, or I got a bad report from the doctor and I, and I really do need prayer, I know prayer works, but don't, don't post that. Don't tell everyone that. Is that nutty to you or to me? To me it's like, really? We really, yeah, we really do that. I'm not trying to shame anyone. I mean, I do it, okay? But I'm going, something's not right that we, were, we, are, we are so open with our lives to people. Let's see what we do, where I've been, what I'm doing. But then when it comes to something that really matters, what, wait, wait a minute. You, you were sick for six weeks and none of us knew it? You know, that's like, does anybody with me nod? It's kind of like, really? We don't tell each other that? And, 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 and James says, you know, if you're, if you're sick, you need to call the elders to pray for you. Now, it'll get more personal here in a moment, but there's something here that I don't know. I think we're, we, see now, are, are missing. And I'll tell you, I, I think the reason that James says that the sick person is to call the elders is because to do so requires humility. And I'm telling you something, to say you have a need 
it's toxic to pride. It'll kill pride, which is a good thing, right? But we resist. Well, three, three uh, you know, I know this raises some questions in this text, so let me just offer some quick answers to a few things you may be wondering. Number one, the oil. You know, the oil here is symbolic, I believe. It's not... Um, it's not medicinal, though it could be, you know, but it's not like I could put oil on you because you have pancreatic cancer and the oil's gonna somehow get in there. It's not, they use oil medicinally, you know, one time in the Gospels, but I don't believe that's what he's describing here. And it's also not sacramental. You know, it's not extreme, I'm gonna fall over this sooner or later. It's not extreme unction uh, in a Roman Catholic church where, you know, this oil's gonna solve the sin problems for you. It's not, it's not uh, sacramental in that way. I do believe it's symbolic. I think when we look at our Old Testaments, how uh, the, the priest, the new priest, or the new king, they're anointed, i.e., this is symbolic. The Holy Spirit has set you apart for this work in ministry. There's a... I've done this, I've done this with some of you. I've prayed over people who had cancer and, and put oil on their wrist or their hand and I've prayed with them and I've said that it's symbolic, it's, a, it's a, just a tangible way that, that we can know the Lord is with us and here the Spirit's often described as that refreshing healing oil. So that's what the oil is. How about the prayer offered in faith? It restores. Uh, if, you've, if you've sinned, your sins are forgiven. Remember I said you can't be, we can't, I don't, I don't think we can be dogmatic. At least I can't on, you know, is it spiritual? Is it a physical? I, I don't, I don't know. And so when we think about this, the prayer offered in faith does these things. If the person, if there's sin in their life, it could be that with the elders, that person by the spirit is humble enough to say, this is, I've been, there's sin in my life here. And he confesses it with the elders. That's wonderful. You know, there's restoration in that. Could it be that someone is ill and the elders, someone else prays for them and they are literally healed? Yeah, sure, why, why not? Now, when I say that there's, you know, sins are forgiven, always remember this. And I, I, I tried to say this in our 40 days of prayer and fasting. When you trust Christ, you are in a relationship with God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Your relationship with God is unbreakable. You will never not be a son or daughter. Never, never, never for all eternity if you've trusted Christ. But your fellowship, your friendship, your walking in the garden with God, oh, that can be strained by sin. That, that can be broken, that fellowship. And so First John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes you may go, well, wait, I thought I was forgiven in Christ. You are. But your fellowship with God can be broken when we sin, which we do. And therefore God says, confess it. God, I have sinned. And, and that relationship, that fellowship is restored in the same way that when, when you hurt a friend and you go to them and say, you know, I'm sorry I did this, that your friendship was broken a little and you say, I'm sorry, and it's brought together. Do you see that? You, you, you were never not friends per se or me with a child. He's never not my son, but oh, our relationship can be strained. So I wanna be very, very clear on that. Last thing I wanna say, whatever the healing, whatever the healing that occurs here, it's not about the faith of the sick person or the faith of the elders who pray. It's about the God who is sovereign and providential and who he heals and who he does not. We look at this throughout the whole Bible. Look at it in the New Testament. Look at who Jesus healed. He didn't heal everyone. People, when Jesus left this planet, people still had leprosy. 
Um, Paul himself, you know, had a thorn in the flesh and, and don't you know Paul prayed that it would be removed? But what did God, what did, what did Jesus say about his thorn? Did he remove it? Someone answer me. No. no, he did not remove it. And he said, you know, my grace is gonna be sufficient. And there's a picture of that almost of, gosh, it's tough to say, but, but God saw that that thorn would make Paul more dependent upon him in some way. And God does the same thing in our lives even this day. Do you know that uh, Paul left one of... Uh, 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 one of the, the disciples left him ill in um, Miletus. It was Trophimus. He left him ill there in that city. And then you know Timothy, right? Timothy had a stomach problem. Now, it doesn't say Paul prayed for it, but my, I gotta believe if his, his number one protege, Timothy, has got a stomach illness, I gotta believe Paul prayed that he would be healed. But he wasn't. And so Paul gave him a prescription. Now, help me here. What was the prescription for Timothy's stomach ailment? Say it out loud. See, I don't want to say it. Y'all are afraid to say it. <laughs> See, and if you hear that, you go, well, okay then. That's a, I'll track with that one. He, got, he, said, he said, drink a glass of wine. But he didn't take away the illness. You know. So whatever happens here, and, and, and whether God, it doesn't mean that God's going to heal that person per se, but whatever God does, he does. What we know is we're to call on the elders and say, pray for me. And they are to pray for that person. Pray like you breathe. Ask the elders to pray. Third, I'm going to say it this way. Pray with those you don't want to pray with. <laughs> pray with those you don't want to pray with. Look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. This is not a public confession of, you know, you standing... <laughs> Passing around the mic, people standing up and uh, you're confessing your sins within the whole context of this body. I think there's a place for that. I do. But that's not what this is saying. Notice it says, confess your sins to one another. Now, you know how we always, not always, but we often say, man, I, let's get back and be the New Testament church. Well, I want to be more like the New Testament church. But let me be, assure you, we are just like the New Testament church. And let me tell you what they were like. Uh, they held grudges against each other. Uh, they gossiped. They didn't think nice things about each other. There, there were decisions made in that church that people didn't like. People were actually hurt. And actually, you know what? Within the church, people hurt each other, disappointed each other. It, it's kind of a mess, honestly. It's, it's people seeking to live together. I don't know. I might have just described your family because I just described mine or a marriage or a friendship. This is what happens. But we don't leave it there. What do we do? Confess your sins to one another. We go to each other. This is where the rubber meets the road. We want to be a praying church. Honestly, what praying is going to look like at some level is you and I being willing to go to the, someone and say, I... I said this about you. And I know it's not true, but I said it and I want to say I'm sorry. I will not do that again. Will you forgive me? This is, this is what it looks like to pray. Then will you pray with me? It's to go to someone and say, I, I've carried this attitude toward you. Um, it's wrong. I'm sinful. I agree with you, God. I carry this and that's sinful. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to do that again. Will you forgive me? 
Will you pray with me? See, this, this is what it looks like to be a praying community. Sin is the problem, but sin gets its power from privacy. So I know this for a fact, that we sit in this room and some of us have sin against each other, just might be little, might be big, I don't know, and outside the room. But when we keep it to ourselves, this is where sin gets its power. And it's only when we take it out from under the hiddenness of our soul and we just, it's true, that the light hits it and it loses its power. That's what James is inviting us to do. Pray like you breathe. Just pray. I have a conversation with God constantly. Ask the elders to pray for you if needed. Pray with those you don't want to pray with. And then fourth, look at verse 17 and 18. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. Here's the principle. Pray God's will because you can. Pray God's will because you can. You need never wonder, well, I wonder what God's will is. I don't, I don't know what to pray. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you some things to pray in a moment, but we, we pray God's will because you can pray God's will. To say Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours is to say um, that Elijah was a fallen man. Oh, now, he did some amazing things. Read 1 Kings. It's crazy. I mean, God used him just miracle after miracle. But even in the midst of miracle after miracle, he had a nature just like ours, which means this. Are, do you ever, are you ever fearful and wondering if you have enough pr- faith to pray? Do you ever wonder that? So did Elijah. Do you ever, does God ever ask you to do something and you go, that's not what I'm gonna, that's not what I wanna do? So did Elijah. Do you ever doubt God? So did Elijah. Have you ever felt like, I'm the only one? So did Elijah. I mean, he was a man with a nature just like ours. But the text says, and he prayed earnestly. The, The Greek there is this. He prayed with prayer. What does that mean, he prayed with prayer? It means this. He prayed. He prayed. <laughs> you, know, it's met, you know, this is the obvious stuff to us. You go, well, how do we grow in prayer? Well, Elijah prayed. He had a nature just like ours. So, so even his doubts and fears and all, it, it didn't keep him from just what? Praying. He, he, he prayed. And by the way, he prayed God's will. And this is the part I want you to see. Because all of us, you know, all of us can pray and all of us can pray God's will. Will, if you go back to 1 Kings 17 and 18, I'll let you do that on your own. What you'll find is before Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, God told him it wasn't gonna rain. He, he knew God. See, in other words, Elijah just didn't say, I gotta do something. I gotta do something big. I'm gonna ask God that it not rain for three and a half years. Well, that would just be Elijah's idea. That's not what happened. God said he's gonna do this and then Elijah prayed it. He prayed what God said was gonna happen. And it did. And guess what? Three and a half years later, God's, you know, Elijah's praying it'll rain. By the way, God had told him, time to rain. So he prayed. 
what God had said was already gonna happen. How about that? So you and I, number one, we can pray. Pray with prayer. We can pray and we can pray God's will just like Elijah did. And I'm gonna give you three prayers that are God's will and you can bank on it, okay? You, this is God's will. Number one, that the lost would be saved. Just, just start right there. We know that's God's, it's why you're alive today and you know Jesus, is there are other people that don't know Jesus and God invites you to help them come to know him. We know that God wants the lost to be saved. When we did our 40 days of prayer and fasting, the first thing that we put up there to pray for every week was, who are the people you know that don't know Jesus? Pray that they might come to know him, right? So you can always, there's never a time we can go, I don't know what to pray. Well, you can always pray. It is God's will that the lost come to know him. Here's the second thing. It is God's will that the saved grow up. That those who know Jesus, who have placed their faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ for them, that you, if it's you and me, and I've, I've done that, I know it's God's will that I grow up. How do we say it here? That I mature in my faith. So you can always pray that. And let me say this. And God will answer that prayer because he, he, he desires it for you. Pray that the lost are saved. Pray that the saved grow up and have faith. I'll tell you one other thing, and there's others, but let me give you one that without fail, okay, you can pray. God wants you and I to confess our sin. You may say, well, I don't have any right now. Well, there's a problem. So you need to confess that, that you think you don't have any sin. <laughs> Always. Why? Because he wants us in fellowship with him. He wants the spirit within us. He just wants us, depending on the spirit, walking with him in fellowship and intimacy. He always wants us to confess our sins. So there's three things. The lost are saved, the saved grow up, and that we would confess our sin. And I don't know, what, what if the next year, what if in 2018 that just, just those four things began to mark us? That you and I, I really, and I know I can't do this apart from the power of the Spirit. So when I say this, hear me say, depending upon the Spirit, I, I truly want to pray like I breathe. I want to have a constant con conversation with God. Sometimes I'll be breathing hard for sure, but even when I'm not breathing hard, I want to be conscious that God, I, I can do nothing apart from you. I desire that if I get in a place and it's not everyone hearing this, but I, I need the elders to pray for me that I would. How about you? That I'd be willing to pray with those I don't want to pray with. And that I'd pray God's will because I can. All right, close your Bibles. I want the ushers, if they would, to grab something I want to give you and we'll end with this. I wanna pray, I wanna lead us to pray. Um, what I'm passing out to you right now is really an interesting document. Um, you know how, again, we often wonder, you know, is God at work today like he was in the, in the book of Acts? I mean, it doesn't look like it, I don't think so. Well, I assure you he is. He always is, he's never not at work. Uh, this December, go ahead and pass those out. Everybody take one of these. What you're gonna get I'm, I'm, I'm calling it a, a modern day epistle. You know, an epistle's a letter. So I'm, I'm giving you a modern day epistle. Now, just so I don't get 
criticize or for heresy. I'm not saying that God has spoken and now we have a new piece of the Bible. But I am, uh, just in a way that I hope you'll hold on to, I have titled this, The Letter to the Church at Brentwood from, Mark, from, uh, from Darko, one of our global partners. And this is a literal email that he sent us in December and I've broken it into verses. So again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just making this a little creative for you to say, this is like if he would have written this letter. Now, when I read part of this, I want you to, I hope you feel what I felt the first time I read it, and I went, holy moly, this is like, a, this is like Paul's writing to us. And I want you to see what he's doing I want you to see what God's doing in him. I want you to see uh, what he asks for in prayer because I want us praying for him. It's kind of the last thing we'll be doing around global and it'll remind you that, oh my goodness, God still does exactly what he did. And you all, he's still doing that right here. Right here. In this community of faith, Brentwood, or whether Fellowship Nashville or Fellowship Franklin. So with that in your hands, we're not gonna read the whole thing, but I just wanna give you a taste of this and I'll let you finish it at home. But start at the very beginning. And uh, last service, someone yelled out, you know, well, maybe you ought to call it, you know, First Darko, you know, or something like that. I don't know, or First Brentwood, you know. But listen, this is literally a transcript of his, his note to us, to you. Verse one. Dear in the Lord, we praise the Lord for his unfailing love and faithfulness he is showing us showing to us every day and month. We praise Lord for having you our prayer partners and warriors for kingdom of God. We greatly appreciate your sacrificial love and care and pray that this Christmas season's season, God would bless you with a bound measure of his joy and peace. I mean, that sounds like a letter from Paul, doesn't it? Verse two, we praise God for all blessings we have received past month. We praise God for Reformation public lecture in library for all people who came. Also, because public media, local radio, and TV gave nice report about it. Just a little touch there. I like, he, he, they had a Reformation series, speaking on the Reformation, you know, it's 500 years. And they invited people into this church. Now, when I say church here, you know I'm talking about maybe two dozen people in the, in, in the church. We pray that seed of gospel of grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone, planted in hearts, would grow. And especially, please pray for our son, Matias, history teacher, Osrin, and his wife, Maya, that came to the seminar. They were especially convicted, and it was interesting how she is from the same town where I grew up, CSAC. When she was a kid, she attended English Bible camp in the Baptist church where I came from. Please pray that God would penetrate their hearts. Okay, I will. <laughs> wow, someone from your elementary school came to your seminar to help someone know about Jesus. He continues, praise the Lord for wonderful show we had in music school. We had, I think this is clown, we had guest clown musician Frank Bosch. He made wonderful performance and show for kids. They all laugh and enjoyed big way, but also they all could hear how Jesus loves them. Please pray for the school, 
for disabled kids as we organize this event together, especially for director Mirjana. Please also pray for Borislav, professor in music school. I had a chance to talk about the Lord that we could meet again. Now, are you reading this and kind of going, what is this, how does this guy live? Apparently he, he sees his life as the opportunity God has put him on this planet to help others know God. And he, now he's a pastor, I get that, but, but if this is you, this could be you, you know? I, I was at work on Monday and I happened to say something to Steve and Steve's interested in knowing more about Jesus. Would y'all, what if we were having these conversations? That's what the, this is what the life of, with Christ is all about. They had another event here, verse five. Praise the Lord for New Age lecture outreach. Another lecture outreach that went very well. We have around 30 people came to the church where we had lecture. Many of them came for the first time. It was open discussion so they could ask all kind of questions. Our lecturer, former New Age healer and present pastor. This is very encouraging to me as you read this. He shared his testimony, how Lord brought him into light. It was powerful. At the end, he gave opportunity for people to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Five people responded. And now he's saying, let's pray for these people, for Sonia and Zeljiko and Zeljo and Davarin, that we would be able to disciple them that God would bring them to become part of the body and work out his salvation in them, i.e., that the lost be saved, i.e., that the saved would be discipled and grow up. Here it is, it's happening, and you and I get to have a part in that. It was especially interesting how Lord led Pastor Nicola to come two and a half hour before lecture started. Just in this time, I was meeting young guy, Bruno. So, so, so he, Darko happens to be there, Bruno's there. We all talked and he accepted Christ as well. Please pray for this young Bruno. He is 16. He lives with sick grandmother since his father and mother left him that he would discover that his heavenly father would never leave or forsake him. Please pray for us as we meet every week for Bible study. If you and I took the coming week and stopped in this letter and prayed for these things, it would be worth our life. Last thing I want you to read, flip to the back, you can read the rest of it on your own, Um, but look at verse 13, you know, quote verse 13. Here's how he ended the letter. I just realized that you have been praying for me yesterday. This is the 12 days of prayer. We prayed for our 12 partners. I need to share testimony. I had such a good rest yesterday. I do not remember when I felt so well. I felt so refreshed and Lord really blessed me. At the evening when I came back home from the meeting, two other pastors from surrounding areas, my kids said I looked so well that I was glowing. Now I know it was special grace poured through your prayers in my life. I just want to thank you. And may the same grace of our Lord Jesus Christ overflow all of us. Blessings, Darko. Your prayers on that day, touched him. Let's stand together. And I just would say, I'll repeat what he prayed for us. May the same grace of our Lord Jesus Christ overflow all of us. And may we, you all, may I, and may we join together, move into 2018 more prayerful than ever before. God bless.